with 600, 800 to go, apparently I just decided to not let myself get in a good position. And so if I could rerun the race, um, you know, I would probably have wanted to put myself in a better position to, to strike. And I think when someone believes in you like that, it's easy for you to start believing in yourself like that. And having that uh, core group of people that just really had big goals, had big dreams, and just was willing to work really hard to get there um, has been great. And then just to continue it to now, I think it's just like, it makes it even more special. Uh, the hardest part, and my, my college coach actually talks about this, um, is when you're kind of like back at maybe 90%, you're running, you're like doing the workouts, but like, and it looks like you're kind of back, but like inside, like, you know, you're not fully there yet. I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two one of my best right there no, I mean, I know, that, that might that be the best, the best intro i've ever heard i mean that was <laughs> that was next level hey we're not finished though joshua drop down drop the accolades let them know wait before we get there though i gotta make sure that everybody that's listening before we get these accolades like bro we're almost to 10k subscribers on youtube like let, oh, let me put that let me let put that out there quick. right now y'all need to subscribe <laughs> share this with your friends share this with everybody because like this is Look at Aaron's, he's literally risking his vocal cords every single Tuesday for y'all. Like, I don't know, like just how Adele be out there having to get surgery with vocal, like Aaron's gonna have to get that pretty much soon. And it may not all be worth it if we don't get to 10,000 subscribers. So share this with somebody and like, let's get this up and up. Cause we're getting great guests, fire guests, the dude that we got on right now. Y'all know him, man. Third place at the 2022 U.S. 10,000 meter championships, but it really didn't just start there. This man was a phenom in Virginia, bro. When he was out there killing it in high school, then he went off to Stanford multiple time, All-American in the NCAA and cross country and track, even a 2018 NCAA 5,000 meter champion. He's the 10th yeah. fastest American all time in the 10,000, and he's really going up and up and up. We got Sean. Sean McGordy on the podcast with two black runners environment track club. Sean, how's I mean, it going? I'm doing well. I'm telling you what, after that intro, I'm hundred percent hitting the subscribe button. So I hope I get this too, gets you guys to 10 K. I'm doing well. Great to talk to you guys. It was great to officially meet you guys in that, uh, mix zone after the race. And yeah, stoked to be on. Yeah, man. It's always great to, we've had a, a decent amount of Bowerman athletes, on like one of our first ones was we had Marielle we had yeah no she that was one of the best ones and then yeah Mo 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 was the funniest because he just straight up hit us up like (laughs) you want us to you want me to be on a podcast we're like (laughs) of course let's go but the team your team is such good camaraderie and I always feel like everyone on Bowerman is so so nice to really to the media and just talking to people yeah, I mean, I think uh, really fortunate to have a great group. I mean, on the topic of Mo, just popped off at the 1255 in Rome in the Diamond League, ended up getting fifth. So that was a pretty, pretty good race for him. So uh, the boys, boys are rolling. Um, but yeah, no, it's 
it's a fantastic group. Um, you know, bummed that Marielle isn't on the team anymore, but really enjoyed my time with her when she was on the team. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, really lucky to be surrounded by everyone that's on the team. And yeah, I think uh, thankfully uh, everyone likes talking to the media when we get the opportunity. <laughs> and I think what's really been fortunate for us is that since we're we're in Southern California, we've been able to see you guys a lot over the past two years, especially yeah. at the at the at the ten and all the sound running meets and everything has been a pleasure. And I felt like we've been like I'm all like, man, I need to get me a Bowerman shirt or a Bowerman I mean, crew neck or something. Like I need to make that happen ASAP. And I I felt even. I feel like me and Aaron felt even more part of the Bowerman team and just even the McGordy family household when we were at the pre-classic <laughs> and like sitting next to your family as we're doing Instagram stories and just like seeing the reaction to your mom, your dad, your grandfather, your grandmother, like everybody around just reacting to what was a, a nail biting performance all the way to the last hundred really for you. It, it was it was incredible to really just be a part of that like I don't mean like I don't mean have a question to go with that. I just have to say that, like you know, like it was it was yeah. amazing to be to be in that section and to see that happen for you. Uh, I'm sure you got a lot of raw emotion. I mean, I think across you know my parents and grandparents, there's a lot of uh, a lot of energy and excitement there, and I'm sure especially in that moment. But yeah, I mean, I think it started last year at the trials was the first year we did it in the Bowerman fan section. I mean, it's so like unique to be able to walk into a stadium at you know the biggest meet um of the year leading up until the biggest meet of the year at least the biggest meet on u.s soil like at the time and just to have like a whole section dedicated to just supporting you and cheering you and cheering you on and seeing all like these familiar faces it's i mean it's really unique and it's really special so i love that uh bowerman was doing it and i love that you guys got to be a part of it too yeah it was fun i had like the i had the thunder the thunder yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the thunder sticks clapping those i was sitting with uh carissa's like team and like family at at some point too and it was like man like i really felt i really felt accepted into the bower the bowerman group you know and i remember like after carissa's races race and this is before i knew this was your was your your mom i just knew that was like your family or whatever yeah, you went up to yeah. that yeah, I looked back and I was like, oh, we're going to be back. We're going to be back for Sean's. We're going to be back for Sean's <laughs> race. And they felt like so appreciative, too. So they were like, oh, shoot, like we got to we got to get back. And that definitely was that was those 10Ks. Those are some of the most exciting races that day, even of all of pre. I think it was really talking. But what what about for you? Was it weird that we were having like the 10K before USA so far, so far ahead of it? You know, we like Jerry had kind of mentioned um, beforehand that, you know, I think maybe USA, uh, USATF was thinking about it. We knew there was like mm -hmm. a chance we'd heard just a few rumors. And obviously when it was announced, we knew it's what we were training for. But man, when we were walking around Eugene, like the day before the race, it's like the end of May pre-classics going on. It just felt weird. It was like we hadn't raced since March. It's like just mentally, like you knew you were preparing for, I mean, a huge race but yeah. just the atmosphere just it didn't fully feel like a usa um and i think maybe it's just because it was like the first time but obviously once you're warming up and everything you get locked in but definitely the build-up felt a little unique um you know whether that was good or bad don't really know it'll be interesting to just see how like usa feels later in june i'm sure that'll just feel like there's a little more like buzz or pressure but yeah it was definitely unique um, and so it'll be interesting, like if they continue to do this, um, 
you know, for, for future years, will it continue to feel like that? Or will you just get more used to it? And it'll be kind of like part of the routine. Yeah, I kind of liked it because it definitely like centers around the 10K and like everyone knows yeah. like this is the championship. Pay attention for these 30 minutes because, you know, everybody yeah. don't want to pay attention. for. I, I like <laughs> Since I've been going to the 10 and everything, I've gained so much more appreciate appreciation for the 10K and just like seeing it run like because like I can never do that for six six point two miles. Just sounds crazy on the track. But to do it that fast is even crazier. But I want to ask too for for your race, like you said, it felt kind of weird, but it all worked out in your favor at the end of the day. Yeah. But just the race and totally, like, do you feel like, was it a good race from you? Like looking back on it, do you think there could have been a lot of things that you could have fixed and just going forward? Um, I mean, I don't think it was a perfect race. Um, like, like you said, thankfully things worked out in my favor. Um, I think, you know, going into it, when we were talking with our coach, he had kind of wanted us to sit back and kind of wait until the last 400 ish of the race that was kind of the race plan for everyone on the team i mean i think you could kind of tell like grant never really made any big yeah. moves to, to push from the front or anything like that like he had in some of his previous races but i think like in hindsight when we were talking to our coach he thought it was going to be a little quicker um i mean i think our first mile uh was in the 450s and that was just a little pedestrian at that uh at that point and you know we had a little cat and mouse and I just don't think it's strung out as much as he was expecting. I think pretty much everyone was still there with 800, 400 to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had spent the first 23 laps trying to always keep myself in decent position, uh, make sure I had room for my stride. And then with 600, 800 to go, apparently I just decided to not let myself get in a good position. And so if I could rerun the race, um, you know, I would probably have wanted to put myself in a better position to, to strike or, maybe try and be up there with Grant and Joe um, heading into 400 to go. Um, you know, Jerry joked that I raced like a rookie. So, um, which I did say was my second 10K. So I tried True. to give myself a little uh, benefit of the doubt there. But yeah, I think just uh, tactically the last 800 wasn't super great. And, but I think, you know, it was a good experience of, you know, with 300 to go, having to keep yourself calm and relaxed and kind of just trusting that a gap's going to open up. And then with 120 to go, just giving it all you got. So I think from a, from a mental standpoint, happy with how I was able to execute over the last 400, but definitely from a tactical standpoint, would have liked to have been in a better position. Yeah. Moms wasn't happy that you were boxed in. Oh, oh, I know. (laughs) As soon as I finished, I looked over and I was like, they must be so stressed right now or they had to be so stressed. And my, uh, my girlfriend, at least she's on the team. Um, and she talks to me like before the race and she was just like asking me like, please don't make it stressful. Like whether just like pressing early on or just like doing different things. And like, I talked to her as we were like doing the little victory lap because my mom was able to call her while we were in the empowerment section. And she said the same thing. Like, why did you have to make that so stressful? So yeah, <laughs> definitely. I uh, did not make it easy on my mom. I'm sure she did not appreciate the boxing. What's yeah, it? Def- do you made it fun though. Made it fun. Yeah. Do, do you ever like, cause like Elise just started the 10 K too, just like in that Olympic Olympic year, she's adjusted and been doing so well at it. Do you like talk to her ever about like, well, Cause this is, you only done two. Yeah. Like, does it help to have her? Like, she's just new to it as well. You're new to it. Does that like give you like some encouragement or do you like, do you guys pick each other's brain about how it's adjusting from a 1500 meter runner to a 10 K runner? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, just 
kind of going through the same thing and having each other to kind of discuss their different experiences. And I think we know each other so well that it's very easy to kind of give advice and step back and be a little more objective with that advice too. Um, so, you know, her experience from the 10 K was great. Thankfully I got a team full of 10 K runners too. So they were all pretty helpful with advice. Um, cause you know, and it was interesting. You're mentioning like you kind of liked, um, the 10 K being the focus, um, on that Friday night. And you were saying, I mean, I agree that I don't think, you know, everyone always wants to watch, you know, 27 to 30 minutes of racing, yeah. but I feel like coming to Bowerman also gave me a, a bigger appreciation for the 10K. Um, just there's a lot that goes into it that I think you don't really appreciate until you're in the moment. Um, and I definitely have more of appreciation for that now after having run it. Um, and so excited to see, you know, the future there in that event, but definitely don't want to uh, get too far away from the, the 15 and five. I like the uh, shorter, shorter distances are still pretty fun. Yeah, don't we all? Don't we all, man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about that night, too. When we got a chance to talk to you in the media zone, in the mix zone, what was super disappointing, though, that, like, the first half of that video just got, like, super corrupted and, like, you can barely understand. <laughs> but it was such an amazing, like, interview. And we were kind of talking about your parents earlier. And I just wanted to know, like, was that always, like, their investment like into your sport like seeing how they were like screaming like yeah. crying there's so many emotions like the last 800 meters of that race but it hasn't always been like that where they've been so invested to whatever you're doing yeah i mean i've been incredibly fortunate um and blessed to have uh parents and grandparents that have been supportive of just whatever sport i've been doing um athletically they've always done the best they can to get the all of our games growing up. Um, but yeah, especially with track. Um, I feel like, I mean, my parents have a big appreciation for it. They ran uh, collegiately at the university of Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And then my dad competed post-collegiately a little athlete. So while it is not, uh, his main event, he's definitely fallen in love with the distance events. I think he's learned to, uh, appreciate them, but yeah, I mean, just the energy and love and, and support has always been there. And that's something I can always count on. So, um yeah incredibly fortunate to to have that one thing sean i remember like the first time i ever seen you because i think you i graduated high school in 2012 oh yeah i man. believe were you 2013 or 2012? Uh, 2013 2013 so yeah so i hear about sean like you're doing like you're a beast and everything and then i seen you at like a stanford invite and i was like this dude is freaking tall like i did not <laughs> expect you to be as tall as you were. And I think I'm guessing you get that from your dad because he was at the cafe. I think, but I mean, even I think it's my dad's dad was like six, two or six, three. But I mean, I'm like not even the tallest in my family. My youngest brother, uh, Brandon, he uh, he's just graduating um, at Stanford this weekend. He's like six, six, probably. Um, and so, yeah, he calls me uh, his little brother, which I don't always <laughs> appreciate. But uh, but yeah, so I'm assuming kind of get it from him. Um, I don't think my mom's like overly tall. Um, but yeah, my, uh, myself, Brandon, and then my uh, middle brother, Ryan, we're all actually taller than my dad. So we've all, uh, we've all successfully surpassed him. <laughs> and, and this is a random question since your, uh, your parents did go to UNC, like were they big basketball, are they big basketball fans? Like too? Oh, I, I live and breathe UNC. I mean, especially like this year with UNC making it to the finals, everyone yeah, on the Bowerman yeah. team was giving me a hard time because they're like, you didn't go to UNC. Why are you supporting them? And why do you, why do you <laughs> care? But 
yeah, grew up watching uh, Carolina basketball. I think they started going to UNC. I think maybe it was Michael Jordan's like last year while he was at UNC. So they got to see him play. Um, And then one of my dad's brothers, um, yeah, one of my uncles also went to UNC. So yeah, like, I mean, growing up, I always thought I was going to go to UNC. I thought Mm -hmm. I was going to play soccer there and that was going to be my future. So it ended up, you know, not playing out that way. But yeah, live and breathe uh, Carolina basketball. So um, yeah. What about when Virginia was like doing well? Virginia is always good, but like the Cavaliers, they were like in the did they win the final? They, they I think they won like ago? a yeah, a few years ago. Um, yeah. never really been a uh UVA sports fan. I visited, um, you know, it was one of the schools I looked at to potentially go to, but um, yeah, I just in my area growing up, I mean, it was always VT versus UVA, never mm-hmm. really had like a strong um, you know stake in the game but um we had some close family friends who love virginia tech so whenever unc was playing them in basketball that provided some good smack talk and thankfully unc usually did well in the basketball court because they loved rubbing the uh, football success in um so yeah it was a good uh acc just sports in general provides some great entertainment no facts facts so that was my little derail of just talking real quick <laughs> but i want to get back to you talked about Going to play soccer, that was the dream. Like, when did you start? When did you yeah. start really running and start doing track and field? Um, so it, it sort of started around the same time, just having parents with a background in track and field. As I was playing soccer, I think like from fourth grade to sixth grade um, in the summer, my my dad would kind of take my brothers and I to the junior Olympic meets um, that would go on. I ran yeah. the uh, would do like the 1500, 800 high jump and javelin. I think at that point though, it was oh, just like turbo jab. Yeah, I know, I love the high jump. But You're doing the pentathlon? Basically, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that kind of stopped after elementary school and it was kind of all soccer, basketball in the winter and then I would swim in the summers. Um, but we'd do like, you know, we'd always do like a Thanksgiving turkey trot or mm-hmm. um, I think like in middle school, my middle school put on like a few 5Ks and I did it. And my grandfather likes to say that uh, after my 5K in eighth grade, like he knew that I should do cross country. And so I officially did cross country um, that fall. Um, My first year of high school, that was kind of when I started to go like all in. Um, I guess before that, just hopping back a few years, my dad and one of our other close family friends um, kind of put on like the youth um, track uh, team, I guess, in the spring. And so it'd be like every Sunday, I'd usually come after like soccer games and just mm-hmm. kind of practice there. But that was like the first intro. But yeah, nothing, nothing really serious, I would say until um, or full time until high school cross country freshman year. And going into like high school, like your freshman year, did you have like big, big goals like coming from we yeah. both ran club track as well. So it was like, definitely get the scholarship, but you kind of know how to like push yourself and our parents are so parents are similar like our dad was like our coach growing up so you know yeah there he's involved on the booster club he's he's yeah. coaching on the side a little <laughs> bit too yelling at you like bro come on <laughs> like chill chill bro like you don't need to exactly like can I, when's your practice at like bro you don't need to come to practice like what, <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yeah well in, in high school he was not officially my coach so and i think at that point still like he didn't fully know a ton about distance running, I would say. I feel like by my junior, senior year, he he was learning way more and definitely knew more when uh, my two younger brothers were coming up through high school. But um, I mean, my mom honestly was was the kind of the 
inspo or just kind of the uh, person I could go to for cross country because she was a Virginia State champion in cross country. She ran at uh, Langley High School, which was like 20, 25 minutes away from the high school I went to in Chantilly. So um, she had some great success there um, in high school and could definitely pick her brain about cross country. But thankfully, I, um, I had some really great teammates when I started out. And I feel like my goal was just, you know, you want to run with the best on your team and then you just kind of gradually uh, build up from there. You want to just compete well in the conference and then regional. And then um, I, I was pretty like into setting goals and started doing that, I'd say probably my sophomore year and just kind of use that as like a metric to keep building forward. Yeah, then I, I definitely want to talk about one part of your high school career when we get to the end of the podcast. But before we get there, kind of fast forward a little bit, like you do, you do your thing, go to Stanford, success there. Like, you know, I think a lot of people know like what you did at Stanford, <laughs> you and Grant, y'all were killing it and everything that you guys did. But then now we went on the Bowerman, you even spoke on it just a little bit. Like in high school, you had a lot of, you had a great team and that pushed you. Now you're on the Bowerman and 2018, you joined there. You have a great team around you and I, I assume they pushed you. Just how has oh, yeah. it been to be getting that constant like support from like Bowerman track club? Because I really feel like since the time we've been going to to the 10 and just all those meets at the sound running meets like especially like talking to like grant he would like say that like mo and them they would always give him like so much support that like bro like you can you can be this next guy like you can run this you can run that and i feel like a lot of the guys have always told us that in interviews and that's how that's how i was kind of feeling with you in the 10k and i was telling aaron before this i'm like bro i think i think sean's gonna make this team because i think they're doing the same thing they were doing to grant like mo's telling sean like bro you can make this team and and you made it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's been, I mean, yeah, it's been priceless. I think everything, all the advice, just the different encouragement. Um, I mean, I think, you know, that played a big role going to Stanford is wanting to join a team where there was people that were really successful and people that you could kind of look up to and kind of chase um, that, you know, people that were competing at the level you want to compete at. And that was definitely the case with Bowerman. Um, and just from the very beginning, um, you know, obviously you have some of the older guys who have experienced so many different things, whether it's like the highest of highs with Centro and his Olympic gold medal or, mm -hmm. you know, some lows, you know, Evans had surgeries before other people have had different injuries. So, I mean, the full spectrum of experiences in track and field, I feel like the team is basically covered and that has just been incredible just to always be able to get um, feedback, advice, you know, no one is really bringing their ego into everything when they're encouraging you and telling you that they think you can accomplish these things. Um, you know, even in the 10K when we have four guys going into it, I think every single person, you know, wants the other three teammates to succeed just as bad as, you know, they want to. And I think that's just really special. And I think, you know, I do think it's probably a little unique since we, have moments where we have like four teammates competing for three spots and things like that that people are able to be that supportive but um yeah i mean it's just been it's just been really great and i think you know for a lot of different things you have to expect it of yourself but i think sometimes it starts with the people around around you expecting it of you and i feel like you know he talks about mo with grant and mo with me and i feel like I still remember the run up in Park City where Mo was like, you know, if you stay healthy, he's like, you 100% can make the team. And I think when someone believes in you like that, it's easy for you to start believing in yourself like that. And, um, you know, and then it just seeing them in the Bowerman section after the race, like, it's just, those are just some really like 
genuine hugs where you can just tell yeah. they're so excited for you. I mean, even Woody, you know, didn't have the race he was hoping for at the 10K, but I mean, just like the hug after the race, you can just tell like how excited they are for you. And um, yeah, I, it's, I wish I could come up with a better word than priceless, but I feel like that's kind of just what it is. And, you know, you see in college, I saw all the different accomplishments from the outside, but to, to be in it and to see what it's actually like has been, has been really great. What's like your, what's like your relationship with like Grant too? And do you feel like you kind of, have you always had teams like that? You're talking about your high school team. You had some really good teammates. And then I'm guessing your Stanford teammates were really good too, because you and yeah. Grant went on to Bowerman together, at least ends up joining Bowerman. I just think that's crazy that you guys have, You've known yeah. each other for a very long time. Like these oh, guys, mean, like yeah. Mo, you might not have <laughs> known Mo for that long, but like Grant, you've oh. known that guy since you were like 18, yeah. 17. I mean, my my longest teammate, I was thinking about this like recently. Um, Vanessa, she was at Stanford, same year as me. I've been yeah. teammates with her for I think nine years now or something like that. And then like Elise is like right after that, and then Grant's right after that. And wow. I mean, since Grant's like freshman year, I mean, you could just tell like how i mean special of a guy um he is i mean off the track and on the track but especially on the track you could just see like what was coming like everything that he accomplished this year i mean there's no there's no surprise for me that he was able to do what he's been able to do so far and you know i think he's just continuing to scratch the surface and i definitely think he's going to continue to to grow and accomplish some special things but yeah i mean i think it's really like I mean, it's just kind of crazy that we just met up at Stanford and I think just both had the same dreams and same goals. And I think, you know, when you get a lot of like-minded people together, I think that's just can help breed success. I mean, not even um, on the track, but on the field, one of my other teammates and really good friends at Stanford was uh, Valerie Ullman. She won the discus um, mm -hmm. at Tokyo. I mean, yes. she's freaking dominating every diamond league now that she goes in. So I think just like, having that uh core group of people that just really had big goals had big dreams and just was willing to work really hard to get there um has been great and then just to continue it to now i think is just like it, it makes it even more special i mean grant and i were rooming together at the 10k and i think we've roomed i've roomed with him and eugene more than any other person i can 100 percent <laughs> tell you that because it started with his uh freshman year and we were there in the 2016 trials so i'd say he's my go-to uh roomie at this point and you're talking about like having like so, so similar goals and always shooting for like big things so like going into stanford did you start having the goal of like going the of trying to be like pro in track and field or did that not start until like the end of your stanford uh career um so i feel like the goal of being a professional athlete kind of honestly started in in soccer um my again it was just fortunate based on the area I grew up but my soccer coach from a very young age was um his name was John Harks and he played professionally in the MLS also played like a little bit over in England and was also on the U.S. national team so I like from the very beginning had a you know high level professional athlete like very yeah. very close in my life and so I feel like that kind of set the standard um you know so I thought I was going to be a professional in soccer I think that door is probably officially closed at this point but uh but yeah just having had a dad then that also competed post-collegially I think the idea of you know competing after college um was definitely always there um I'd say it's you know it's kind of a goal probably more in the back of my head um probably the bigger goals were trying to win an NCAA title mm -hmm. and things like that in college but 
it was definitely, you know, in the back of my mind and was always, you know, watching the professional races and, you know, definitely was watching Bowerman. And I still remember my, my freshman year before like Peyton Jordan at Stanford and I met with my coach and he said, he's like, Oh, like Jerry Schumacher, like asked about you. And I thought that was like the coolest thing of all time, like probably even cooler than the race that went well. So that, uh, it, it was, it was always like something there, but just wasn't, maybe I wasn't thinking about it on like a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I also, what I think is really cool about Bowerman and I had, I got a, I got to interview like Evan after he raced the steeple on Mount Sac. And I was like telling him, I was like, I was like, bro, man, like you're really a part of the beginning. Like Bowerman hasn't really been around for that long, like probably like 2011, 12. And yeah. I remember Evan, you know, leaving Wisconsin to join Jerry and the Bowerman and then making that team in the 5K. And I'm like, now it's like, it's like how many more years does he have have mm-hmm. left? So it's like, yeah. how does it feel too? Like you, Grant, like you all are like, you're all now, I still don't, you guys aren't old or nothing, but yeah. you guys are now like the team. And then, well, even, surely, like, even like Mark Scott and Carissa came in like the Bowerman the same year as you too. Like, you guys yeah. are, it's like this new age Bowerman, Bowerman team. It used to be like Chris and Evan and yeah. now it's Ryan Sean, Hill. it's Grant. Yeah, Ryan Hill, Sean, it's Grant. It's Elise. Like, it's it's kind of crazy to see you all be like the main team and now you're going to start recruiting some more young athletes and you're going to be yeah. the veteran guy. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it's crazy just how quickly it feels like that shift happened. Um, like we like joking around with, I mean, the older guys, but seeing like how many of the guys in the team are over 30 and under 30. And I think maybe it's like 50, 50 right now or around that. And, you know, I think when you're the, the younger crew, um, you know, I think you're kind of embracing the, the team identity and maybe culture, but I mean, to have been able to be on the team with Evan, he was just one of the guys that while I was in college, I was always watching and looking up to and i still remember his 2016 race in rio when he won his medal i like, remember watching it in my house back in virginia and just the feeling like seeing him accomplish that gave me so uh we're actually rooming together up at this altitude camp like all the guys are in one big house and so um some of us have had to share a room just for different periods of time and him and i are uh sharing together but yeah it 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 is crazy. Like you said, you don't really know like how many years left some of the older guys get. So I think it just makes you appreciate being able to, you know, go on runs with them. It's just this, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's more just the the normal stuff, just the hanging out, the dinners, all the different conversations. Um, you know, Lopez has been doing this for, I think he said like 16 years or something <laughs> like that. And like, I mean, it's just like, you can't even like comprehend like how long he's been able to, to perform at a high level. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that that younger core, I think we all like embrace that and, and definitely like embrace the idea of kind of representing the team and holding it to the same standards that all the guys before us uh, and women have. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely something everyone embraces and, and enjoys. Yeah, and I can imagine just like picking the brain of them, just like, but just like picking their brain, just like just in the normal stuff, like probably not even just like going up to him, like Lopez, what advice should I get? But like, just yeah. like you just at the grocery store, then he just drops like some wisdom or something, just like dang, like or just seeing seeing it like in action from day to day, just like that, yeah. just how they move from 
from that. And I bet they have to give you a lot of support and that wisdom had to go into you just like fighting through the injuries that you've had over the past like three years with Byron. And I was, as I was like preparing for this a little bit and I was like, cause I remember like you, your Achilles and getting the surgery. I'm all like, bro, that happened after last year. And now this dude is on the 10 K team. Like that is, that's crazy. And like, even with Carissa too, like y'all were like yeah. injured, like down and out and like came back from that. Just like, how has it been like pushing through all, all of that over the past three years, just trying to, to get to this place? Um, I mean, you know, definitely hasn't been like easy. Um, you know, each time I've had to have surgery, it's kind of been its own like unique experience. Um, thankfully for, for this Achilles surgery back in July of last year, um, I had the same surgery on my right Achilles in 2017. And, um, that experience had gone well coming back from that. Um, and I was able to see the same surgeon. So I felt, felt really confident going into that surgery. And I think that made a huge difference because I was confident my body could come back from it and run at a level that it had never been at before. I think that, um, has been, you know, a big piece for me is believing that my best running is still ahead of me, even after some of these different setbacks. Um, and so, um, I feel like, you know, hopefully I was able to help Carissa going through the similar experience. Hopefully, you know, I think she was able to help me when you're seeing her do different things that she, you know, crushed the comeback and won her first national title. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's where also just helps having a team that just performs at a really high level. And, you know, I can go back to Grant because in college, um, I feel like he played a huge role coming back from that first Achilles surgery. Cause you know, every day I'm showing up to practice and I'm training with one of the best in the NCAA. And yeah. now every time I show up for practice, I'm training with some of the best runners in the entire world. So the, uh, the expectation and the level of training is set. And I mean, it can be grueling and frustrating when you are not there and you feel like you're battling back and like, you're kind of just waiting to feel like you get a little more traction or for things just to feel like a little more easy um, or just like a little more natural. But, um, you know, the encouragement along the way and just like even just the subtle encouragement, whether it's not really words, but you can just tell from the body language that they expect that, you know, you're going to be able to come back and things like that mm -hmm. was super helpful. Um, and I feel like played a huge, huge role and you know how that race in may win and even just being able to get the world standards and for the 5k and 10k in february and march like i feel like you know i definitely would not have been able to do it without all of them and you know i'm incredibly grateful for that i was i was curious what's been like consistently like the hardest thing like trying to overcome like coming back has it just been like the mental like blocks yeah. has it been like trusting like that muscle again or just like as it or just like trying to stay completely locked in like what has been yeah. consistently the hardest part of trying to get back um that's a good question all like each surgery was a little different i'd say the the three that i had for a foot infection in 2019 that was just kind of hard to like wrap around like why did this happen mm. not that like the achilles stuff like I mean, you could still ask like why, but I think I have, you can understand that a little more. The, the foot infection felt more like a freak thing, but I think the, uh, the hardest part in my, my college coach actually talks about this, um, is when you're kind of like back at maybe 90%, you're 
you're running, you're like doing the workouts, but like, and it looks like you're kind of back, but like inside, like, you know, you're not fully there yet. And I think that can be just pretty hard mentally because you've done a lot to get back to 90%, like all the cross training, um, you know, you're talking about like the mental fatigue and all that energy that goes into like willing yourself to, to push through, um, the adversity. And I think it's like, right when you, you've kind of like, you're at the top of like one mountain, but you see like that really, you see like the peak, um, of the mountain range right in front of you. And you kind of know you have one last climb and push. And I think that last part sometimes can just be the hardest. Cause you know, there is some fatigue and you just want to be back at a hundred percent so bad. So, yeah, I think sometimes that lasts like 10 to 5%. Um, yeah, would probably be the hardest part where you're like almost back, but just not, not fully there. From going through all these injuries, do you feel like, do you feel like, you know, your body even more now? Like, you know, what type of cross training you need to do? Or do you feel like, damn, I'm fragile. I might get hurt again. Like, um, I think I, I, I believe my body is strong. Um, I'm just laughing because I feel like it took me like so long, way too long to like fully like listen to the signs that like your body gives you. Like uh-huh. when I was in college, I ran on the Achilles injury for way longer than I needed to. Um, even like the foot infection. I mean, that was a pretty like, you know, that was a much smaller timeline, but the amount of time it took for me to like acknowledge that like, Oh, this isn't a bone injury. And like, something's probably seriously wrong was yeah. like way longer than it should have. Um, and I feel like I kind of saw that with this surgery. Um, you know, we got the ultrasound after the trials and, um, you know, I knew right away I needed to, to get the surgery, but I feel like since coming back, I've done a better job of listening to my body and understanding like, if there's certain, certain soreness or certain signs, like it's not really a sign of weakness. Your body's just trying to let you know, maybe it's just not ready for what you're doing just yet. Um, and if you can listen to that, I think, you know, that can actually sometimes speed up your recovery. Um, instead of just trying to go a hundred, like full speed, no, not listening to anything, any signs, I think you could maybe re-injure yourself. But so, yeah, I'd say, I mean, my dad's joked with me that this is the year I finally started to listen to my body. So, um, you know, I think I'm learning something, but yeah, I definitely don't think, um, my body's fragile. I think, you know, as far as like the Haglin stuff and Achilles stuff, it's just, it's the way I was made. These legs helped me run, um, you know, pretty fast, but there's some things that come along with it. But, um, yeah, I think I'm finally starting to listen to my body. It's so that's, but that's really like a hard thing to do. Like for me, like I ran up until like 2019 and then mm-hmm. I stopped and now like I'll just run whenever. But like there's been multiple times where I'm like, oh, like I'm good. I'm just going to start like training again. Just get up to 50 or something, 50 miles and I'll start hurting. And I'll be like, oh, I'm good. I'm just going to keep going. And then I'm like, what the heck? Like I can't walk right. No yeah, more. exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's hard. I feel like we get like almost like addicted to the routine of it and you just like want to see that mileage number get higher and higher and you like i think it's easy to tell yourself something's like not as big of a deal as possible because i mean a lot of like running is pain i mean you kind of just have to you know work through Mm, the pain and i think sometimes whether it's ego or just i think the line can be blurred of like what is the what is pain and what is like injury and i think sometimes it's like acknowledging like this doesn't mean i'm not like 
tough or I can't grit it out. It's just like, no, my body like is giving me a sign. Like you shouldn't be running right now. Yeah. And I think injury is like uh, such a rude awakening to that, but like, it's a lot of times it's the perfect awakening to that, you know, just be all like, okay, now I know like what I should be doing. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know mean, how this works. Bad. Like it sucks though. Like you have to get smacked in the face sometimes to let you know, but like, mm-hmm. dang, no smacks in the face help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, Sometimes you need a few, but eventually you wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And before we get to the end of this podcast, we got our next stop Oregon segment. And I'm so happy that we got somebody on here that this summer, you will be one of the 2000 of the world's yes. best track and field athletes competing for titles at the World Athletics Championships on US soil for the first time ever. So in preparation, leading up to the world stage, we are having our next stop Oregon segment where we focus our attention to the world stage and just everything that's going down in Eugene. It's going to be a party. It really is. But we got to ask you, Sean, we ask every athlete that comes on what is your chance to compete at the oregon world championships 2022 mean to you is your oregon 22 you feel like it's a comeback you think it's a redemption story is it a title fence or is it your journey to the top of the podium for the first time you know i uh i hope i would probably say um you know a comeback story i think there's been a lot of different challenges and things that have gone into making this first team. Um, I mean, couldn't be more excited that the first time I get to represent the U.S. um, is in front of, you know, hopefully a crowd full of um, U.S. fans and on home soil. But yeah, I'd say definitely probably more of a a comeback story, um, a celebration of um, overcoming adversity, maybe and going all in on yourself and maybe tackling or facing some uh you know some fears you had and going all in so that's definitely what i would say uh that's how i describe my uh oregon 2022 story did you think it was gonna be the 10k that was gonna get you there though (laughs) (laughs) i mean no if you had told me like a few years ago or maybe even last year that the first team i would make would be a 10k i probably would have thought you were kidding um i mean obviously incredibly excited to make the 10k and really excited to i think see where i can go in the event but i mean in college it was all about the 15 and 5 and you know i'd probably say definitely saw myself as a 5k runner coming out of college and you know i still think there might be a future in the steeple um but we thought that was like a chance last year so we'll see um kind of wanted to give the achilles a break but yeah um no i would not have guessed that it would have been the 10k so but we'll take it hey yeah <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. Wait, are you gonna are you gonna do the five at uh, at USA's or have you decided that yet? Uh, yeah, we will. So I think um, the whole crew that I think was in the 10K will be rolling back for the 5K. So really looking forward to that one. I haven't run a 5K at the US Champs actually as a pro. The last time was in 2016 um, while I was still in college. So definitely excited. Um, you know, I've watched all those races. They've always yeah. just been some great battles, um, you know, especially with Chalimo and my teammates. So excited to uh, throw myself in the mix. Well, we're, we're excited to be at USA's. We're excited for the world championships. Hopefully we get into that Bowerman cheering section again when that 10K goes off. But <laughs> hey, everybody, y'all need to be there too. Be part of history at Hayward Field, University of Oregon, July 15th through the 24th. Get your tickets now at worldchampsoregon22.com. It's going to be special. It's going to be hype. Can't wait for it. And before we get you out of here in the podcast, I want to talk about this. I want to bring the high school back real quick. So I'm searching this dude up. 
Aaron, you know this dude ran 8.46 in the 32, Aaron? Yeah, I heard about him, bro. I heard about him. And like, bro, that year I went on the 30, I went to the list. You feel me? Like the top 10, everybody's Arcadia. Like, it's like, I, I don't know who the first dude. I think dude that was ahead of you around 8.45. Everyone's like, Arcadia, Arcadia, Arcadia. From the Arcadia invite. And then you ran 8.46, number two in the nation. And the second guy behind you in that race when you ran 8.46 was 9.45, Aaron. At Wait, Arcadia? What? No, when he did it by himself. Oh, oh, yeah. The second place so. guy was 945. What happened? Jeez. Like, wait, did you? <laughs> how did that happen? I need to know this. Um, I mean, yeah, it. Um, I think I was invited to Arcadia, but like, I don't know if we, Penn was maybe like two weeks before um, or something like that. Basically, we, we didn't decide it was worth going in California, but Arcadia happens and I race, I think the next week. And, you know, I see how fast everyone runs and, you know, I'm feeling that energy, want to uh, really rip a 3,200. And so the race was supposed to be on like a Friday night. It thunderstorms that night, ends up getting pushed to Saturday, um, which in hindsight, I'm like, that was a great thing because I think I felt better on Saturday morning. But yeah, I had, uh, I had my head coach at the start line. I had my assistant coach at the 200 and they were just giving me splits. Like uh, each, each was giving me like a 400 split from like their like start line. And yeah, yeah. I just tried to find the rhythm and just uh push it and bring it home but yeah that was that was a really special race um just and it's actually funny one of my uh really great friends at Sanford teammate uh Jack Keelan he ran at Arcadia and I think he ran like 850 and he told me uh when we were in college and teammates he goes I was so mad when I saw you run 846 by yourself like the next weekend he's like I was so mad um but yeah that was a that was a really special um race in high school but yeah just uh, kind of just mentally knew I wanted to try and go after it. And yeah, just put the coaches, give me splits and just tried to push it. And that's, yeah. that's crazy. I always bro. talk about high school races are legendary. Like we see all the kids running with the pros now, but like destroying everyone in a high school race, like everyone that was there is going to remember that they're going to, yeah. they saw you run. They saw you run at pre and they're like, I remember when this guy ran 846 the entire field. Like people are <laughs> never going to forget that. No, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think high school is, it's pretty unique. Not that like you don't always do this in college and pros, but I just think like the mentality is literally just like go all out, like no matter what mm -hmm. the distance is. And I just think, you know, obviously, especially in championship racing and stuff like that, you have, you know, the margin of error is much smaller and um, tactics come into play. But yeah, high school is just, you're going all out basically just the entire time. I wanted to ask you too, do you follow like Stanford XE and track and field right now? Cause y'all are doing like on the distance and mid distance, like Charles Hicks, Cole Sprout, and then y'all got Juliet Whitaker and Rousing Willis. Oh, they got a in. great, great incoming class. Um, yeah, I still do. So my, my youngest brother, Brandon, who I mentioned earlier, he um, actually ran at Stanford. So we were teammates um, my fifth year, his freshman year. Um, and so still follow the team. Charles and Cole ran great yesterday in that 10 K, especially Charles getting a bloody nose in the middle yeah. of the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, really excited to see what the future of that program looks like. I mean, I think the average probably PR of those two girls coming in is probably 159. Cause I know, um, I think one of them just ran like two flat Oh three. And I know yeah, the yeah. other one broke uh two minutes um at that new york meet so they definitely they got they're gonna have a great four by eight hopefully they go to pen relays um awesome. but but yeah i love following along 
Also, like I, I've been, I've been like trying to spread this rumor around, but I think this can actually happen. That I could see, you know, I think it'd be cool if Leo and Lex Young, the new, the Newberry Park boys, <laughs> yeah, if they went to Stanford instead of NAU, and they're like, we want to be our brother. I really think that can happen. But if you had to like, if like Sean Bronson or if Leo and Lex were like, yo, why should we go to Stanford? Like, what would you, what would be your pitch? What would you tell them? I mean fantastic beautiful school fantastic school but um i mean i think you have great weather to train at a high level uh consistently throughout the year i think you're going to be joining a team with a lot of guys that are really pushing themselves to be the best in the ncaa they're running crazy fast times you know they're running faster than grant and i were i think at their time um and indoors and they're really getting after it and i think you know, I think it can also be be fun to carve your own path sometimes to battle up against your bro and, and see what you can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously just to, to add to the legacy kind of of Stanford distance running, I think it would be it would be huge if they're able to get Leo and Lex. I mean, they're already running ridiculously fast right now, so can only imagine what they'll be doing in the future. Yeah, that would be insane. Aaron, I don't think that's going to happen, but hey, that was a good pitch. Hey, you know, that was a good pitch. That was a good pitch. You know, that pipeline really to Bauer, pipeline yeah. to Bowerman, pipeline <laughs> to Bowerman, you know. That's what it does seem like, though. That's what it really does seem like. And I want to also ask you this, too, because we're about to go to Portland, actually. You're about to get on a flight, go to Portland, Portland Track Festival. We'll see you there. We're going to be in Eugene, like, for 10 days coming up. Uh, so you spent some time in Oregon. Yeah. What's your favorite spots to eat, bro? Because we need some, we need some help. I don't, I don't know, like in Eugene or Portland or Portland. Yeah, I mean, if you're, in, before, so. if you're in Eugene, I think I've like had breakfast at the original Pancake House, like almost like every single day I've ever been in Eugene. Um, so I love that spot. Um, that's a great breakfast spot. As far as dinner, um, I also just kind of started while I was at Stanford. I feel like we would go to Beppe and Gianni's um it's like this italian spot that's pretty close to hayward fields that's also a favorite for sure um and then i think it might be called the doco i don't really know there was one spot where after ncaa's one year i think it was like one of the last spots open i think it's like open to like 2 a.m but you can get like calzones of like i mean they must have like 30 different types of calzones on the menu and cookies and milk so if you're if you ever need a late night bite that might be the spot um as far as portland um i love bamboo sushi um i love the matador uh portland city grill if you want to eat dinner at like on the 30th floor of this uh pretty big building that's pretty it's pretty nice one um and then a a popular like um trying to think of the other popular spots basically like northwest 23rd street that's a really popular one um but but yeah i'd say bamboo is, is definitely one of my favorites Bamboo sushi. You want sushi this weekend, Aaron, or what? I do. That's <laughs> the first thing I was thinking about. Probably not too far from the water, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's right on the yeah. water. They got great sushi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm down for that. <laughs> and then we all. Oh, ask- I mean, you probably got to go to Salt and Straw, too. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like the classic like the place. Uh, Portland ice cream. I mean, there are like oh, other yeah. good ice cream mm. spots, but I feel like that's always a classic. I think I went there. No, I'm pretty sure I did go there when I went to Portland. Like, five years ago but then also we always ask these two questions when we have someone on the podcast who should we have next because sometimes we don't know who to get who would be who do you think would be a great person to come on two black runners podcast have a chat be an athlete be a coach someone in media i don't know any person that would be good to have on i mean you named i mean not to just 
throw my teammates at you, but uh, you already said you had Mo on the podcast. He was one I was already thinking of. I know you've talked to Grant, but I don't know if he's been on the co- podcast. I feel like, you know, he would be great. Lopez would be super entertaining. I mean, that man has so many stories. He's a great storyteller. Um, I mean, Centra is the same way that, I mean, he, he's got a gift when it comes to telling stories. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, if you could get Grant, Lopez, or Centra on, I feel like, uh, I feel like that would do well for you. Um, I feel like they'd be a, a good conversation right there. Those all sound like really funny. Centro and Lopez would be hilarious, I feel like. I mean, honestly, if you could, like, I was going to say, too, like, especially sometimes when, like, Mo and Lopez get going, like, feeding off of each other. Like, if you had them on, like, together, I mean, I don't know if you'd, like, you'd probably ask, like, one question, they would take up the entire podcast, but (laughs) they, uh, they can be really great. That would be, that would be probably fire. Now, our last question is deep but I think it's always a good one to leave off of, leave your impression on the podcast. Just what mark do you feel like you want to leave on the sport when it's all said and done as you're kind of, you're kind of writing that story right now? Um, you know, uh, that is probably not something I always think about a ton, but I think my, my hope would be to show maybe others um, when it comes to different challenges or adversity to, that, you know, you can be rewarded for kind of keeping that faith in yourself and keeping that unwavering belief in what you can accomplish. And, um, you know, I'm really fortunate to be incredibly supported as I like try and pursue these dreams, but Mm -hmm. hopefully um, others can just kind of see, not like the whole like never give up or like, you know, type thing, but just, I don't know. I feel like that's just been a big thing for me is just believing in myself and having a deep, deep uh unwavering belief in myself that you know even after some of the things that happened i could still accomplish those goals so hopefully um can help inspire maybe some other people that have had some setbacks that their best running is uh still ahead of them yeah i love it i love it man we didn't get into all the stuff especially like i was listening to the half step pod like a two two days ago when you were on there and you describing like your infection and everything. So I, I encourage people to go listen to that episode because I think that was great and how you went into that because that was incredible. Like just the, what you had to go through with that was truly like great. So I think anybody listening this much, if you want to hear more about Sean, like go check uh, that episode out and, and he talks more. And like, I was thinking of like Alex Smith, like back in the, like watching that. Yeah, that, um, that was insane. Like, yeah. yeah. I just remember watching that documentary. I mean, that was, he, uh, you know, and that's that's also just something also I learned. I think sometimes in the moment it can like seem really bad. Like three surgeries seem like shocking to me, and then that, I mean, he had what seventeen. Yeah, something so, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty next level. But you know, I warned you guys that you weren't going to be able to get to every question. I talked too much. So. <laughs> It's all good, though. Still a great episode. Appreciate everybody listening, tuning in, bro. Aaron, you got anything else before we get out of here? All right. Have we got any new ratings, bro? Anyone ever? Anyone else? No, we haven't. We don't got nothing new yet. But that's just the the message, everybody. Give us new ratings, bro. Like, come on, subscribe. 10K. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah, come on, man. But appreciate you, Sean. Hey, we'll see you at Portland Track Festival this weekend. Let's get it. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Can't wait to see you this weekend and uh, some other meets this summer. Yes, sir.